1: welcome to another mother runner this is sarah bowen shea i'm joined in studio by molly williams hello molly Hi Sarah, how are you? Good, good. It's funny, before we started, I'm like, but wait, I'm not looking at her and because and, we're side by side and you're like, it's like when we're running. That's so, right. And it's perfect because I'm on your left side. That's how we do it when we're running. Mm-hmm. So this is this is our natural way.
2: So let the conversation <laughs> flow. We also match. Do you know that?
1: I did notice that, that, that we were both on, wearing um,
2: cardigans and stripy shirts mm-hmm. and comfortable pants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I noticed that too. It's fall.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. So now but you're going away this weekend. We haven't even discussed it our oh, runs. Where yeah. are you
2: going? Uh we're going to go to the beach. My aunt's got a beach house in Rockaway. So John and I are going to go down there and spend some time with my um my aunts uh-huh. down there. Uh so I got to, you know, prep myself for tsunami. <laughs> tsunami warning preparations. yeah I, know. I always honestly i always get nervous about tsunamis every time i go down it's kind of ruined the beach for me but <sighs> it's okay Be calm be calm my escape routes <laughs> yes. have a plan i
1: mean they're there i mean in all seriousness at the oregon coast there are a lot of tsunami warnings oh. and evacuation route signs and, and it could
2: happen at any time sure but do you worry about tsunamis alex uh
1: you have enough time like you you think I, I think I think they'd be able to know it's coming like they'd know yeah. that a storm was happening off the coast. What's well, a storm or an earthquake, earthquake yeah. happen and then So I, you're saying like if it was coming from Japan but if it was due to one in California or in Alaska.
2: Well, I, I think it's so, still get it. I think the biggest problem is there's if there's the big one and it's a big earthquake that you're going to have landslides and then how are you going to get out? Yeah, well if you know, if we have I an think earthquake you, problem. you just I think you just a seem to...
1: to people which is is, yeah. are people going to be following those routes? How crowded will they be? Well, I, the I, coast has only a few roads in and out, so it's yeah.
2: Like... Well, no, I am just hoofing it up the mountain. Oh, okay. I mean, I I will in fifteen minutes. I will probably be two miles from the beach. I adrenaline <laughs> will kick in. My husband and my aunts will all be left behind. <laughs>
1: Self preservation. So <laughs> a younger man, I don't worry about it. So.
2: But I'm still going to work. Well, in Rockaway, it's a there's a big. You know, the the mountain kind of comes down and then there's the the water. So it actually, it's pretty easy to get up and out. Like some places, like Seaside, which are so low, you're going to have trouble getting far enough away. But Mm -hmm. anyway. That's
1: Seaside where Hood to Coast Relay ends. So so people might be familiar with that.
2: So that's my existential crisis of the moment is going to the beach this weekend. But, you know, a little, a little wine, yeah. a little running. There you go. I'll be okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I recommend
1: people go to Pacific City if they're visiting the coast because yeah. Cape Cod is there and you can just run up the
2: yeah. dune when the tsunami goes. Yeah. And you got Pelican Brewery right there, too. Exactly. So, you so know, nice grab a beer, run like hell. <laughs> okay.
1: It's to a top. good motto to have, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> put a tap at the top of the yeah, top. So that's right. People waiting out the store. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, Molly. Well, I will miss you this weekend. It is my last kind of calm weekend because after this, I have... Both twins, both John and Daphne, who are 14, freshmen in high school. They both have big events starting next week. So Daphne is in Midsummer Night's Dream, Mm -hmm. and that opens on Wednesday at the high school. And then the following night is the first night That John and the Jefferson Dancers are part of Singing Christmas Tree, Mm. which you know from because your oldest daughter, Lane, Mm -hmm. was a Jefferson Dancer. Yep.
2: Jefferson Dancers always perform. Yes. Good time. Yes. So when you've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's fun. Yeah. 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 It does put Christ in Christmas, which is where (laughs) Christ it's from oh, yeah. which is good I like it I mean yeah yep yeah, yep yep yep. so <laughs> <laughs> this is Jesus Christ. if might people hadn't from. heard <laughs> yeah you might know him from Easter. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, Alex. That's right. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was the original. It was uh, the original. Oh gee. <laughs> yeah, The originals Jesus. <laughs> oh my. It was Empire Strikes Back. It was Star Wars, right there. <laughs>
1: oh my goodness! So he is doing. He's taking part in singing Christmas tree, and that is. Gosh, that's. Thursday, Friday, two shows Saturday, one matinee Sunday, and then the following week, then the day after Thanksgiving, two shows Saturday, and then the final show on Sunday. And so a lot of shuffling him to and from. I mean, in a pinch, Daphne can get to the performance for the play by herself but I'm volunteering volunteering Molly I made eye contact mm-hmm. um I'm volunteering to help sell and take tickets two times for the play and then there's a lot of volunteer hours with Jefferson dancers and so I think I sit backstage and kind of um be a schoolmarm chaperone for the dancers make those
2: kids behave mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but
1: I'm not allowed to touch any costumes only the Dancer wearing the costume, they make that very clear. is allowed to touch their costume.
2: Keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right.
1: But yet they have to make sure no underwear is showing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So and um, my gosh, John, I told you this on the run, but it's worth sharing that um, he brought home, um, he was showing some Snapchat because he learned how to do um, uh, I don't know the official term of it, but a front spring, like front flip with no hands that he Mm -hmm. has to do in the same Christmas tree. So he, on the second try, he nailed it and there's Snapchat of it. And all the gals go, woo.
2: That's so. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So when am I going to see Daphne's show? Not, oh, yeah. It's not this weekend. It's next weekend, right? Correct. Oh, well, yeah. I'll go next weekend. Okay. Yeah, I'll yeah. go to Friday show. Okay. Yeah. All right. Can't yeah. wait. Good. good, good. That's very nice of and you. Phoebe Thank you. And Phoebe is
1: applying to college. She is. So um, this is, she is applying Early action to the University of Puget Sound, which is in Tacoma, Washington, mm-hmm. and um, I think there are tsunami signs. There definitely are evacuation route signs there as well. But it's on a but little bit of a bluff. High up, aren't they are they? on a little bit yeah. of a bluff, so it's a little bit safer. So um, yes, so early action, different than early decision. It means if she gets in, she is not obligated to go there. But if she gets in and gets a good enough package, she would mm-hmm. definitely go there.
2: She's still thinking of the
1: gap year. She is still thinking of the gap year and. Sort of sorting out her choices with that. She's thinking yeah. maybe if she goes to Europe to be a nanny in Spain, she would only do it for about six or eight months.
2: Still very exciting. A lot going on in her life. Yes, there is. Yeah, big changes. That's, there, that's pretty cool.
1: There is. so, And I absolutely adore University of Puget Sound. Yeah. So I'd be really excited. So fingers crossed. Send out good vibes. Yeah. All that stuff. So they, they're growing up. They're a long way from babies.
2: I know. My baby is 19 and your babies are... Oh. So Seven, uh, the twins are fourteen,
1: and Phoebe's uh, turns 14. eighteen in January. So
2: you're fourteen years postpartum. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nineteen years postpartum. Yes. Gonna yes. lose that baby weight soon. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped breastfeeding. How about you? Except for Augie <laughs> <Awesome>. on occasion.
1: <laughs> um, um, I did though. oh my gosh, I, I, before we are alluding to the topic, which we're going to be talking about running during pregnancy and running postpartum and I'll introduce the guests in a sec, but that I did have that funny dream the night I got back from our retreat in Cape Cod, which I'd been gone for a full week by that point because I went to my high school reunion. I saw my mom in Connecticut and then went to Cape Cod. And that you've heard this before, Mom, but uh, that I dreamt that while I was gone, I had forgotten to pump breast milk, <laughs> and that because because when I got back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot we had a baby, and I forgot to pump, and oh my gosh, my milk supply is going to have dried up, and so then Jack, my husband, goes off to get the baby. And it's a kitten. (laughs) And I look at the kitten and I'm like, oh, maybe I don't want to keep breastfeeding it. (laughs) Those teeth look a little sharp. (laughs) They look a little sharp. (laughs) So anyway, so... There's um, meaning in there
2: somewhere. Yes, there
1: is. There is, Dr. Freud. So, all right, we have... Our guest is um, Kate Edwards, who's a doctor of physical therapy, a board-certified orthopedic specialist, and founder of Precision Performance and Physical Therapy in Atlanta. She's a mom of a five-year-old son, and Kate has run a baker's dozen of marathons, plus several triathlons. And author, Kate's most recent book is entitled Go Ahead, Stop and Pee, Running During Pregnancy and Postpartum. We'll talk about the topics covered in that subhead after this brief break. Stay tuned. Thank you for coming back on the show again. It's been more than four years since we last chatted on air. It's high time to have you back on. So welcome back.
0: Well, thank you. I'm really happy to be here.
1: Good, good.
2: So Kate, we hear from your first marathon that you did everything wrong. You went through the checklist of all the wrong things to do. It still turned out okay, but do you want to tell us about it? <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: I um, <laughs> Everything wrong. So that would be... I went to the starting line in a brand new pair of
2: shoes. Mm -hmm. I
0: hadn't worn the clothes that I had planned on wearing in the race. I Mm -hmm. went out far too fast and sprinted the first half of the race, not knowing anything about negative splits.
2: Yeah, good to go out really fast.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it was really fast and I paid for it at the end. And I didn't actually train that well either, which is funny because... You know, that's what I talk to people about all day long. So I did everything that you could possibly do wrong because I was just excited to be there. And luckily, (laughs) I didn't end up too injured. And you did it in
2: 146.34. And this was a half marathon. I did. Doggone you. Yeah, Yeah. that was a half marathon. Yeah. (laughs) Still. I was a lot younger then. Yeah. yeah, weren't still. we all?
1: Weren't we all? Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> so, uh so you went on to have be- better races than that, including qualifying for and running Boston three times, but I know that now you're unable to run or race. So tell us a bit about your heart
0: condition and how it changed your athletic life. Yeah, it's um it's been a little bit tough because as you guys pretty much know that when you're a runner, um your uh, your identity can be um, wrapped up in being a runner. So for me, not only was I a runner, and I absolutely loved it, but all of my friends were runners, everybody I knew were runners. I specifically treat runners and triathletes in my clinic, and I Mm -hmm. speak about it across the country. Um, You know, every time I woke up in the morning, I knew what I was going to eat because I wanted to pick something that would fuel me for my running. Um, all my clothes were running clothes, and I could go on and on. We all know this kind of thing. So I was, it was on my son's first birthday, actually. I was training for a half Ironman, and I went out for a run, and I didn't feel very good. Mm. And I had had a few bad runs, and a couple times, looking back, I should have gone for help, but I didn't. And I went out, and I was running, and I felt bad, and I kept having to stop, and I kept having to catch my breath and at one point i got a little dizzy but instead of stopping unfortunately i was engaging in a lot of negative self talk i would say and i was saying what's wrong with you 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 know you're a year postpartum you should be fine why aren't you running harder you should be training harder and finally i got mad at myself and i just sprinted the last half mile of the run mm-hmm. and at that point i went into something called ventricular tachycardia mm-hmm. which is when your heart rate jumps from Whatever it normally is, you know, 160, 180, something like that, it's much higher. So my heart rate started going to 250, 260. Um, and I don't know how far it reached before my Garmin stopped tracking it, but oh I was on my front steps. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could see my heart in front of me. I've never experienced anything like it. And my sports bra was really, really tight. And I was pretty sure I was going to die. I was sitting on my front steps thinking, should I go inside? And I thought, no, if I die, I'd rather do it out here so someone sees me before my husband comes home. So um, I was really lucky. I'm one of the lucky ones. I was diagnosed with uh, something called arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy, or ARVC. And it's essentially a genetic heart disease that The one thing that's linked with the progression or the gene turning on is how much exercise you do. Oh, huh. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. So you mean so so that it speeds it up? So that it it makes it present itself sooner?
0: Sooner or it might not present itself if you're not a big exerciser, as some people it does anyway. But Mm -hmm. if you have the gene and you're a big exerciser, you have 80% chance of getting a disease. And if you don't exercise, you have about a 20% chance of getting a disease. So is this
2: the kind of thing where you could have died during a race or something like that?
0: Yeah, and actually I was in ventricular tachycardia in a half marathon a few weeks before wow. and I was in den- and I was in denial and mm. it was at about mile ten. I felt great. I was running eight minute miles. I was so happy to be out there and then all of a sudden I felt like I hit a wall and I got confused mm. and I looked down and I thought, Huh, I think my garment's broken. Why is why does it say two hundred and eighty? Um Lord. and I stopped and I walked. And then I started to feel a little bit better, so I started running again. And I walk ran all the way in, and then never told anybody.
2: Oh mm. wow! So that's good warning for people, huh? Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah.
1: And I was going to say before we go to our next question, I want to say that if um, people want sure. to hear, read more about this, you you have a book called "Racing Hard: A Runner's Journey of Love, Loss, and Perseverance."
0: That's right. And I just want to say, um, I mean, it's kind of a sad story, and everybody gets a little bit down when they hear it but I'm not a sad person and you know you have to pick happiness right so you get to decide if you're happy or not and I've decided that that's the that's me mm-hmm. and so it is a sad story but I've learned a lot and I've gone on to do a lot of things and I continue to do it for the running community even though I'm not running
2: mm-hmm. well yeah. it's it's actually a very happy story because you did get help and you didn't die you yeah, that's true. <laughs> you heeded the warning yeah. signs eventually, and you're eventually. there to preach the gospel of getting some self help. So that's a very that's happy great. story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yes, you're there that's for your. Great. Son. I love that. Yeah, that's so, great. Right. So shifting that's gears. Funny. So uh, mm-hmm. your your new book is go ahead, stop and pee. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you and your co author self published this book, which is hard to do, that's- isn't it?
0: It's shocking how hard it is to do, actually. It's very hard and very expensive. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and, and you're a physical therapist, and your co-author is, uh, what profession is your co-author?
0: She's also a physical therapist, but her specialty, mine is in uh, endurance medicine, running and triathlon, uh-huh. and hers is in pelvic health.
2: Oh, that's great. My best friend from high school is a physical therapist in women's health. And uh, she co authored a self published book called The Accidental Sisterhood. And it's about uh, incontinence in women. Uh, which I thought was a good yep, good absolutely. name, and you know, I thought she was going to be on Oprah and be famous, and it didn't quite work out that way. But <laughs> she's famous to me. <laughs> such she a, should be famous, yeah. <laughs> such an important topic. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, what compelled important
0: topic. it
2: is, and so what compelled you to to go ahead and write this book about uh, running during pregnancy and after giving birth?
0: Sure, I think it was. It started with our experiences. Um, Both of us are moms, both of us were runners, and both of us, when we went to talk with our physicians, uh, were told to either stop running or we shouldn't be doing what we were doing, and we knew otherwise because we read the research and we understood um, what was coming out about running and exercising during pregnancy. And what we found is that even as physical therapists and knowing this knowledge, we still had a lot of questions like what should we do here or should our body feel like this or why am why is this happening and so we realized that if we were physical therapists and we were supposed to know all this stuff in quotation marks then how come we didn't know what to do and if we Mm -hmm. didn't know what to do how can anybody else know what to do Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's
0: so true that's so true
1: so so i know that you and your co-author blair green are looking to empower pregnant women and new moms to be advocates for themselves and their health talk to us about why that's so crucial well
0: it's crucial for a lot of reasons i mean um one is if you don't understand your body then you don't know how to advocate for it so if we can give you enough information so that you know what is true then you can advocate for yourself Mm. and if you understand what's happening with your body it's less scary Mm. so pregnancy can be a really scary time in your life for not everybody it's also really happy and exciting but if you want to do something and a lot of people will come towards you and say why are you running you could hurt your baby or Mm. why are you exercising so much you should relax but the truth is none of that actually helps you it's more important to stay active So if we can give you the information and put it out there to empower you to do what you love to do and in a safe way, I think that we can really make a huge impact on a lot of women's lives.
1: Amen. That is so true. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I have to go back a little bit and say that we just love the title of your book. We um, uh, love TMI. So uh, what prompted you to give it a TMI title was a little bit like, Oh, we just wanted to grab people's attention or talk to us about that.
0: Well, actually, um, I meditate a lot. And the reason I meditate a lot is because I don't get to run anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so during meditation, it came to me. So I was, (laughs) I was meditating. And all of a sudden, I was laughing out loud. And I thought, well, if I'm laughing out loud, then this might be a good one. (laughs) (laughs) So so then I called Blair, and she thought it was great. And we just went on from there. Nice.
2: Nice. Yes, it's a good title. (laughs) So your your book dispels a lot of common myths about running pregnant and postpartum. I know there's a lot of common myths about about running. Like I would think the biggest one would be that you're going to run, you're going to miscarriage, you're going to hurt your baby. And then I would think like after running, after you had your baby, that your uterus is going to fall out. So are those myths? What are the biggest myths? <laughs>
0: I would say those are two of the biggest myths. Absolutely. You hit the nail on (laughs) the head.
2: (laughs) So you're not going to hurt your baby running, you know, all that bouncing around? You're not going to, like,
0: separate your placenta or anything? No. So that's the thing. So a lot of people think that they need to have this calm place for their baby. And the more you do, the more um, likely you're going to injure the baby. But actually what the research says Is that you're less likely to get gestational diabetes, you're less likely to have preterm birth, you're less likely to have issues during pregnancy, and you're more likely to have a better delivery and postpartum recovery if you exercise during pregnancy. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So it's the exact opposite Mm -hmm. (laughs) of what the myth is out there. Well, that's good to know. And what
2: about your uterus? Is it going to stay in? if you run after your baby your uterus
0: is your uterus is going to stay in yes oh the pelvic floor (laughs) the pelvic floor is made up of muscles and what happens is those muscles can fatigue just like any other muscles and a lot of things impact the pelvic floor including um, intra-abdominal pressure your posture there's so many different things and the truth is is if you have issues with you know, your pelvic floor, or if you have a diastasis recti, or if you've had a baby, I will say, um, then getting a checkup with a pelvic health therapist or a physical therapist like myself that treats women and athletes will benefit you greatly. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know that when, so I ran, I don't know, maybe up until seven months with my first pregnancy, which was my um, singleton daughter. And before I started running before I was pregnant, I thought, Oh, when I run, it'll like bounce like a basketball, you know, (laughs) and and, you you know, until you're pregnant, you don't realize how firm a pregnant belly is. You know, it's, you're not Santa with a bowl full of jelly in front of you, you know, (laughs) like it is, it's firm. And it really, you know, it's, it's not as much jostling as one would think it is.
0: No, not at all. And I mean, I would say that until you're really far along, you might not even need extra support. Some people do, some people don't, but there is extra support out there. There are belts, Mm -hmm. there are shorts. There are a lot of different things that you can wear to help you feel more comfortable while running during pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So when you were pregnant with your son back in 2014, you were able to run until week 36, I know. Um, So what did you learn during your own pregnancy that has become a device you want to share with other women?
0: Sure, I learned a lot. Um, One thing is that I had to stay active because I would throw up if I didn't. So the more I ran, the the better I felt. Mm -hmm. So I realized that for me personally, it helped me feel better and it helped me feel more like myself. Mm. I felt like a lot of things were happening when I was pregnant. People were telling me to do so many different things. And I almost felt like I didn't have complete control over my body because Mm -hmm. you don't and it's changing all the time. So mm-hmm. for me, running was a way that I could be me and still be pregnant. Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: I've never heard about uh, running in nausea. That's a, a great thought to exercise. I had terrible yeah. nausea. How long were you nauseous?
0: Um, Almost the whole time. Yeah. The middle, there were two months or so in the middle where I wasn't.
2: Wow. That's great advice. Do you think maybe yeah. it stabilizes your blood sugar or something? Do you have any theories it as could, to why?
0: It could be. I think it was just. For me, it might have been just being outside in the Mm -hmm. fresh air as Mm -hmm. part of it, or um, it might have been blood sugar, because then you think more about what you're doing in terms of hydration and food as well.
2: Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. A, a, A good research topic for somebody, right? absolutely so so you so you've dispelled the myths that we can women can run while they're pregnant and after pregnancy but how hard can they run and what should they not do i mean like blaying down a mountain maybe not so good i mean what
0: what are your thoughts what about the intensity right so the number one thing to know is that when you're running during pregnancy, it's not about heart rate. Everyone says, "Oh, you've got to keep your heart rate under X." Oh, y, or Z. I would have thought and it tr- would be. No, it's not. And so the thing is is everybody's heart rate is different, and heart rate is based on um a lot of different things, but definitely how active and how um before you were, uh, excuse me, how active you were before pregnancy, and how in shape you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, everybody has a different heart rate to start with. So heart rate is not a factor. What is a factor is your ability to hold a conversation and to talk. Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. you can hold a conversation while you're running, then you are running at the speed that you need to be. If you start to um, have to catch your breath, then you're running too quickly. Okay. Mm -hmm.
2: And is that dangerous to have high intensity while you're pregnant?
0: Again, it it depends. So I hate to say it depends, but it does. It depends on what you were doing before. So a lot of elite Mm. runners who are intensely training all the time, and that's their job, they can still be pretty intense while they're pregnant. But it depends on what your intensity level was before. I would say that it's safest to exercise in a moderate range for you.
2: Mm -hmm. That makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. And how about the um, not laying on your back past a certain point in pregnancy? Yeah. I remember that was a big one.
0: Oh, yeah. That's, um, that's because of the ab- abdominal aorta mm-hmm. and where that sits and the pressure from the baby and the placenta and everything on that. So you can get lightheaded and it can, um, if, if you were to do that. Now, I think you can, you can definitely lay on your back through part of pregnancy. And you can lay on your back for short periods. But if you're going to be doing a lot of exercise on your back, I would put some sort of wedge underneath you or just elevate you a little bit.
1: I remember once when I was pregnant, I woke up and I typically sleep on my side, but I woke up on my back and I just was like racked with panic of like, what have I done to my baby? It's oh, like, I know. Like, uh, I, I, think, I think it's fine.
0: <laughs> have they gotten away it's from that in the last <laughs> 15 years? <laughs> Well, and you'll know that it's, I mean, you'll know if it's a problem. That's the thing is it is a precaution that you have to think about. But if you're laying on your back and you start to feel bad, then get off of your back. (laughs) okay (laughs) i mean that's honestly the best way to put it fair enough
1: (laughs) all right so well well circling back to the title of your book should pregnant runners just stop and pee um i had this friend in san francisco who's uh ran during all three of her pregnancies and she would literally pop a squat behind parked cars in the city. She lived in Noe Valley. She just like had no shame. Um, so that might be extreme, but um, you know, what what it when should they go ahead and pee?
0: So if you have to pee, stop and pee. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody, even when you're not pregnant, should be holding it. It's mm-hmm. not good for you to hold it. So mm-hmm. um, if you can find a spot, if you're not going to stop behind a car and pee, then find the nearest bathroom and go when you can. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: I think, I think you told us that the last time uh, th- not to hold your pee. I think you told us that last time you were on and just like yeah. in the past day or two, I had to pee and my dog was asleep at my feet and he de- like, he has one of those dogs so that just the second I move, he has to move. He has to follow me everywhere. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to upset da And I'm like, no, but I'm not supposed to hold my pee. So I've got to get up. <laughs>
0: Uh, You know, I do the same thing, (laughs) even though I know better. Sometimes I do it and then I'm like, Kate, you have to get up. You tell people this, get up.
1: (laughs) Practice what you preach, Kate, get on it.
0: (laughs) That's that's right. (laughs)
2: So, uh, moving on to running after baby, you've, uh, talked a lot about how it's good to, you know, get out there. Your uterus isn't going to fall out. Um, what do you think surprises women postpartum about running after baby, well, obviously after baby? Um, and what advice do you have? And then when can you put a baby in a jogging stroller?
0: Oh, those are great questions. Okay. So I'll try to answer them all. If I miss one, tell me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the first thing is that uh, most women are surprised at how long it takes for their body to feel good. Mm-hmm. And That's part of the reason we wrote the book, too, is because there are a lot of reasons your body doesn't feel good immediately. First, you had a baby, and it took almost 10 months. You know, it's 10 months of your body changing. That doesn't all go back in three months. It takes a while to go back. So I think that we really need to have grace with ourselves and be kind to ourselves because a lot of changes happen, and it takes a long time for you to get back. So I think expectation setting is really, really important when you are returning to running. It's not that you can't do it. It's that you just have to have better expectations around it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, yeah, a lot of women beat themselves up for no reason because they'll get back. And sometimes you become a better runner after you've had a baby Um, Mm -hmm. just because your body changes doesn't mean you're going to be any worse. It just means you're going to be different. Mm And the one about the baby in a stroller. So It depends, of course, but you can put a baby in a stroller after the first few weeks uh, if they're in their carrier. So a lot of strollers have um, an attachment now Mm -hmm. that you can put the car seat right into it. And so you can take them out very, very early. Andy was in a stroller by week two in his carrier. Now, I wasn't running at week two. I was walking all the time, Mm -hmm. Um, but Mm -hmm. he was in it at that point. Mm
2: -hmm oh that's good then you get out when we were new parents we were so stupid we didn't know, know <laughs> what to do with our baby I, oh yeah i wasn't running but um we actually put like our newborn baby in one of those little umbrella strollers like we thought that was okay and i'm like looking at her sort of like flopped over I'm, like jiggle I, I'm, jiggle like, jiggle like, I, don't, I don't know about this i does not seem quite right so, should they maybe be able to hit? and then like i got a towel out and sort of propped your head up. i tell you and then i went to somewhere oh, i mean party. i was always going someplace and some some older woman was like you got to put a hat on that kid you got to put a coat on that kid <laughs> it was that mom went, oh okay they all survived <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we, we're gonna so do I... a bad bad mom podcast sometime we can tell all the bad mom stories
0: <laughs> oh man i've got a lot so just let me know <laughs>
2: um so okay Uh,
1: yeah so I mean are there ever times that you you see moms out running with their new babies and and you want to impart some wisdom to you to them all the time
0: in fact every time I see anybody running I want to be like chasing them like an ambulance chaser I'm like wait I can help you Um, um and bras right you're like oh my gosh Yeah.
2: Strap those babies down. You're going to get a black eye. They That's come on your side. <laughs> we do the same
0: thing. We're like, oh,
2: goodness gracious. Should we stop her?
0: <laughs> I know that I, I, wait, is it appropriate? Is it inappropriate? Are they going to not like me after this? Exactly. Can I not oh, tell them no. my name?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that you're a professional. Is that a good thing or a
2: bad thing?
1: Yeah. yeah. What do you, what do you see when you,
2: when you see people running that you're like, oh, like, what, what are your big ones?
0: Well, with a stroller, um, I always see people leaning over too far. So one oh. of the biggest ways to hurt your back and your hips, um, especially when you're weak um, postpartum, is by holding the stroller with two hands in front of you and bending forward at the hips. And it happens because the stroller is heavy. Most moms postpartum are a little bit weaker, not as strong as they could be. And because of the postural changes that happen during pregnancy, your body, it's just harder. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the things is try to stand up, um, keep your rib cage stacked over your pelvis, and you can go back and forth pushing it with one hand or the other, or you can push with both, but try to keep your posture a little bit more upright. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just a little bit more upright. Mm -hmm. Um, and then other runners, you know, that's a postural thing that happens with a lot of runners. But I also see a lot of like crazy arm swings. <laughs> mm-hmm. I so saw some it's of like this they're morning, stirring yeah. a pot. Yeah, <laughs> stirring a pot, or like hitting the person next to them. Um, it, you know, arm swing is. Uh, is really great way to change or to improve your running gait is you can change your arm swing so that your hand is moving from like your heart to your pocket, essentially. So Mm -hmm. moving forward and backward instead of across your body. And Ah. that helps your, yeah, that helps your back. That helps your hips. That can help knee pain, ankle pain, all sorts of stuff. Oh, right. Um yeah, I
1: worked at a magazine called Walking for four years and and I'll give you one guess what the topic of the magazine was. And uh so <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Uh so um so yeah, so we gave a lot of advice to people about fitness walking, you know, trying to do race walking and definitely always talked about how you wanna move your arms forward and back, not side, you know, across your body. And so, you know, just sort of be thinking about what direction you're trying to move and have your arms move in that same direction.
2: So last weekend, we were out running in Forest Park, and there was some elite runner that came by us. I don't know if you noticed. Galen. Well, uh no, but the woman. Maybe that was a week before. But anyway, there was a guy on a bike with her. Yes, 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 yes. He was saying, okay, watch your arms. Get your arms in the right spot. Mm -hmm. That was the whole thing. And so I cued in on that, and I did it too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and my running greatly improved. And you dusted me and then it was Pretty like, funny. Where'd Molly go? Where'd Molly <laughs> go? And I'm kind of like almost an elite runner now. Yeah. <laughs> She's Ooh, a sub-elite now. Sub-elite. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a delusional elite, I think that's it. <laughs> <term. laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, so, so in your book, you also talk about postural changes, um, and you highlight several of them that happen with postpartum women, and and they're not just ones dealing with the back or spine. Like the one that really got me was butt gripping. I want to know about butt gripping. <laughs> I know. So you I see need that. To, it is not a it is not a you know something that um, one gets arrested <laughs> for. It is something one does within their own body, and so talk about what that looks like, Kate, and why postpartum women do it. And how and why to stop doing it.
0: Sure. So dive into butt gripping. So, gripping <laughs> is, 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 It's essentially when you see women who've had babies and they look like they have a flat butt like completely flat butt some Um, of us are born that way (laughs) (laughs) some people are born that way that's right but if you weren't born that way and you've had a baby and then all of a sudden you have a flat butt and your jeans don't fit anymore then you're probably a butt gripper and um (laughs) what that what that means is that the muscles in the in the butt like the um gluteal muscles the hip external rotators the coccygeal muscles they all get really, really tight because you're gripping them. And when that happens, the pelvis, it does something called a posterior pelvic tilt. so it tilts backwards, which causes flattening of the spine and compression at what we call the SIJ or the sacral iliac joint. And that and when that happens, you have decreased um, uh, intraabdominal pressure. It changes the way that your pelvic floor works, and it changes your ability to tap into your core musculature. Hmm. So it's very, very common. And what I often teach people to do is pretty easy: is uh, stick out their butt. <laughs> it's easier to show. It's easier to show people in your clinic, but um, to teach people how to tilt their pelvis a little bit more forward, stick their butt out just a little bit more than they want to and relax those uh butt muscles and then teach them diaphragmatic breathing so breathing into their diaphragm into their belly so that they can um as the diaphragm drops the pelvic floor will drop and that intra-abdominal pressure will improve and that'll help uh cue on the, the deep core muscles
1: do you find that as a, as a side note do you find that meditation helps with your diaphragmatic I think I said that wrong, Uh, breathing, because I've been (laughs) meditating for, for all of two weeks, I'm on a streak of two weeks. And uh, I find that I really, I'm able to, to be more cognizant of breathing all the way down into the lower reaches of my, you know, my
0: breathing system. I I think it I think it does because you're able. it gives you something to focus on. Mm-hmm. So you can be a better meditator if you have something to focus on that's not mm-hmm. all the thoughts that are going through your head. And then mm-hmm. as a bonus, if you're working <laughs> on your diaphragmatic breathing um, while you're meditating, you're actually improving your deep core musculature. So Ooh. diaphragmatic breathing is so, so important for your deep core. And it's really, really uh, where you have to start um, to prevent injury.
2: Hmm. so if you so you're doing your...
0: yourself a favor
2: in two ways oh good so good. diaphragmatic breathing helps your core like be, you're strengthening your diaphragm or how, how is it again so,
0: yeah so if you think of it like uh, so the diaphragm's on top the pelvic floor is uh-huh. on the bottom so think of like a cylinder and then the front of your core um, the deep core musculature is called your ta or your transverse abdominis and then the back you think of like the multifidi, which are the small muscles um, near the back. So if you think of it like a cylinder like that, mm-hmm. um, that is a system. And if any part of that system breaks down, then you're unable, to, um, you're unable to use your deep core. So that intra-abdominal pressure will change and those muscles won't fire as well. So your TA and your back muscles won't fire as well if your diaphragm's not working. Because what happens is that diaphragm's on top, as it descends, that's what we teach in diaphragmatic breathing, the pelvic floor descends. And as you um, exhale, they ascend, they come up. And it creates a piston.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that piston creates the stability and helps mm-hmm. everything else kick on.
2: That's really interesting. That's a good uh, visual I can see that but you know they always talk about like holding your gut holding your gut but with diaphragmatic breathing no. you're yeah <laughs> No, thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> I love it's this
0: exactly woman what ca- <laughs> that's what causes chest gripping which is another one of those things that I was talking about oh if God, you all holding... this butt and
1: chest gripping my goodness Woo.
0: yeah and that's like if you're trying to hold in your gut and you're trying to pull everything in, you're actually, you're most likely recruiting your uh, oblique muscles as well, and you're causing tightness. And when you do that, you're actually pushing that TA back. So if mm-hmm. you think of a balloon, if you're pushing that TA back, then the diaphragm shoots up. And so then mm-hmm. that piston doesn't work anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does that
0: make sense? Sorry, yeah. I got really emotional. No.
2: <laughs> you're, you're doing great. My uh, daughter, my oldest daughter, just started physical therapy school. At Pacific oh, University aren't I lucky yeah, you are I am I know and I showed her your bio she was all impressed and uh everything so I'm going to have her listen to this podcast and I'm going to have her teach me that mm, very good oh good yeah. <laughs> yeah so getting back to peeing uh tell yeah. everybody it's not okay to leak months or even years after getting
0: birth preach it sister. no Pe- no this is like my favorite sentence peeing is common, but it is not normal, <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess. So most people think, and I I even think, you know, my parents' generation, they just didn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But most people say, oh, you had a baby. It's just part of it. Well, it's not true. If, if you are having incontinence or leaking or dripping or whatever when you're running, laughing, jumping, then you need to see a pelvic health therapist because it's more likely that if you do that, you won't have that issue anymore. And if your pelvic floor isn't working correctly, if you go back to that example I gave about the piston, the bottom of that piston is the pelvic floor, those muscles. So if the pelvic floor is not working, then it impacts your entire deep core system. And a lot of women who have hip pain that doesn't get resolved or other kind of musculoskeletal pain in their legs or their back and they never had their pelvic floor checked. Sometimes it comes back to that pelvic floor, or a component of it does. Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Th- I just think it. I, I think I hear what you're saying is that it can be a cause of so many problems, not just the leakage, and that the and that it sort sort you know, and that, that leakage won't stop you perhaps from going out and doing your run or getting your miles in. But some of the the you know domino effect of it can be so so you know go fix the. P- fix the leaking, fix the peeing, and you hopefully will um, be able to sidestep some future injuries as well. It sounds like what you're saying.
0: Yep, that's right. And actually, the breathing helps if you're having urinary incontinence or leaking. Um, mm. And you practice your diaphragmatic breathing and practice some of the postural stuff in our book, then mm. the leaking may actually go away.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Mm. So but it's a- related.
1: Yeah, it's related. I, I definitely, though, I think we need, this is our PSA that people just can't, women can't ignore this, you know, mm-hmm. they can no. that definitely do some of the exercises in your book. I love that to try to self-treat it, but if it's not something that gets better, to see a professional about it, because it also c- can really be just a few visits is what, you know, I went and saw one after I gave birth to Phoebe, because I my older daughter, because okay. I pushed for six and a half hours. Um, yeah, that was fun. And, um, so (laughs) that, you know, it just was like, no, I, you know, just nip it in the bud.
0: That's right. And I think one of the things that we need to do a better job of, and I think this is another reason like empowering women to take care of themselves and their body is that we should advocate for ourselves after we have a baby to see a pelvic health therapist, no matter what. I saw one, even though I wasn't having any issues because I knew that if I got a checkup, then I could set myself up better uh, in the future. And I think Mm -hmm. that everybody should see one after they give birth. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't have access to them or they can be very expensive, but, Mm -hmm. and that's part of the reason we wrote the book to help as many people as we could. But if you can get to somebody, I would suggest doing it.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great it, advice. Mm-hmm. Important to make time for it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I say we end on that note, because I think it's such an important one. We want to resonate with the new moms or, or friends of new moms or, you know, moms of new moms, whoever's listening that can share that advice with women. So, Kate, always a delight to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great. I really appreciate it.
1: All right, when I was talking to Kate just then, it occurred to me that she would be a great presenter at our Hilton Head Island Retreat because she lives in Atlanta. It would be easy for her to drive there. And so speaking of the Hilton Head Island Retreat, this is the last call for it. We have decided that registration for it is going to close December 1st. The retreat is February 28th to March 2nd on Hilton Head Island, which is just voted year after year after year by all these, uh, I think it's Condé Nast Travelers, the most beautiful island in America. Um, So it is gorgeous. We are having our first ever women run race that's going to be done entirely on the beach. Uh, There's a 5K, a quarter marathon, a relay half marathon, and a half marathon, And then there's a post-party on the beach. Have I said the word beach enough times? Uh, Karaoke that evening at a tiki hut overlooking the, say it with me, beach. Uh, So you want to be a part of it. And like I said, registration for it closes on December 1st. There's only a few slots left. So if it's something you've been thinking about and thinking you had plenty of time to register, you don't. It closes December 1st. So go to anothermotherrunner.com click on the events tab on the top. What a great Christmas gift that would be. And then look at that. What a thoughtful man Alex is. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, slide that to your husband. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So tell tell your spouse that uh, they can find that at um, anothermotherrunner.com. Click on the events. And a drop-down menu shows you all our upcoming retreats, which the other two, if you miss out on Hilton Head, um, earlier that month is we're convening south of the border at Rancho La Puerta Spa and Resort. And then next October, we are... Um, meeting up here in Portland, Oregon. So all are super fun and informative. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles.